One thing's for sure, two things for certain. We're going to show up and we're going to deliver. Combo Nation, what up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 318 of Combo's Court and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to Combo's Court. If you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, Leave a five-star rating, a friendly comment, and punch down on that follow button. Today's show, David Thorpe of True Hoop returns to Combo's Court to talk about his book, Basketball is Jazz, the Wizards' early season play, Lonzo Ball's early season impact with the Bulls, the Oklahoma City Thunder's outlook, and much, much more. A fantastic conversation with David. You can find David on Twitter at Coach Thorpe, that's C-O-A-C-H-T-H-O-R-P-E. It would mean the world to me if you share this episode, share it with a friend, share it on social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, share it on your IG stories, and tag me on IG at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. TrueHoop.com. Welcome back to Combos Court. It's been a while, man. How you feeling? I was good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm not sure if we discussed your book in the last episode, but even if we did, I want to talk about it for a little bit. Um, Just give me a brief overview of uh, Basketball is Jazz. Yeah, it came out in 2017, but it's an evergreen book. Uh, uh, I'm hoping that my grandchildren one day read it. I don't have any grandchildren yet. My twins are 20, but when I do, if I do. Basically, it's a love letter to the game, to the people that I've been involved with in the game. Half the book is uh, is about high school kids that I coached years ago. Half of it is more on the NBA side of things. And then interspersed, I think it for, it's been a while since I wrote it and written it now, but it's uh, it's a st- it's stories and then lessons. So if, if it's, it's designed to help young players and young coaches and even parents of young players to understand the game better. And then it's also designed to help people fall in love with the game like I did. So uh, yeah, it's like a memoir uh, for basketball, but there's a lot of teaching points to it where um, you learn about the game itself. And and what I've learned is, and I'm happy to hear this is, I've had coaches from women's tennis to crew to businesses. I've spoken at uh, companies as a, as a featured speaker, because the CEO read my book yeah. and thought that it had business practices to it in terms of building culture, culture and uh, inspiring talent. These are all things that are part of, of the story. Yeah, it's amazing. When you write a book like that, you never know who's reading it. Do you think you'll write another book? Is there anything else in mind for you? Or Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've, uh, I was going to write a book called Parenting is Jazz. And then because my kids are, but I'm not ready to do it yet. Because they're only 20. When they're 20 something and out of college, maybe I will. Not to say that we're expert parents, but we learned a lot. 
Yeah. And um, but I'm doing this show on Fireside that Mark Cuban's new app called Fireside Chat. I do it every Tuesday. I'll take this coming Tuesday off for Thanksgiving, but um, it's basically about it's called Raising Winners, and it's about how parents can use sports to help raise healthier, uh, 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 mentally and physically healthier children. How to how to inspire them and more important life lessons lessons through sports. Yeah, uh, and it's based just on the the millions of questions I've gotten over the years uh, from parents of five year olds and seven year olds and. I've had parents with kids in diapers saying, when do I first introduce them to tennis or golf or basketball? And so the show was really designed uh, with that in mind. Yeah, so that's I, interesting. I, Go I ahead. may turn that into a book, actually. Okay, sounds great. Uh, basketball, some guys are playing jazz out there and some guys are not. Is that correct? Correct, that's correct. And could you elaborate on that? Yeah, so the, the jazz is, isn't a solo art. It is a team. It's a it's a synchronized, uh, syncopatic collection of um, musicians who play off each other to create the music that they do. It doesn't mean there aren't individual performances. Of course there are. And basketball is jazz is the, is the phrase that I use for the title of the book because as great as you can be individually, like think of a Jordan Clarkson, a dynamic one-on-one score. He isn't as good as a lot of other players who understand the more of the we aspect of the game. So I kind of call it me and we, uh, there are players who are masters at the we game and not so good at the me game. And maybe they can get better at the me game. Maybe they can't. Kavon Looney is a great. We player. I don't know how much he'll ever get to be more, a better me player. Scotty Barnes is a great. Oh, we're going to get to that. That can be a good me player. He's got that ability. And then the Jordan Clarkson's of the world and the more the me guys who, it's not that he doesn't pass sometimes he does but he doesn't want to he'd rather not and you're probably better off with him not passing because he's not a great passer so uh yeah that's that to me is where a good jazz band won't have a lot of me players uh but you can't just have we players in basketball is the same yeah okay so let's stay on let's stay on scotty barnes and so often coach thorpe you're speaking my language when it comes to basketball and this is a great example of it because way back when the Rockets found out they were going to get the number two pick, I was the one telling everybody, I don't think anybody agrees with me in the world, but I think the Rockets should take Scotty Barnes at number two. And then maybe like a month later or three weeks later, I heard you say it. I don't remember what podcast. I don't remember where I heard you say it, but I was like, oh my God, there's somebody that agrees with me. And it's Coach Thorpe. When did you realize that Scotty Barnes, in your opinion, was a top five pick because I've been known to take my victory lap on stuff like this, but I've been saying it for a long time now. And why did you have Scotty Barnes in the top five before everybody else did? I didn't have my top five. He was number two uh, with a coin flip behind Mobley. Mobley okay. was one for me. Barnes was two. And I wrote about it. Well, top two is still top five. Oh, yeah, of course. Because right. <laughs> uh, some people Mobley, had him, you know, outside the top five. That's, they you know. did, but eventually, eventually he was solidly at five. Everyone thought it, it took a while. It took a while. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I had Mobley one and Barnes two, and I wrote about it. And Chad Ford had me on the podcast. And that's where you probably heard me. Oh, I did on my own podcast too. I'm bringing it in. So um, as you may or may not know, my son plays at Florida state. Yep. So I watched Scotty Barnes play every game. My son was a red shirt last year. He wasn't going to play in any games, but we never missed a game because he was there and, during a pandemic, I didn't see my son except for on TV. Uh, so I didn't miss one minute. I had known about him 
because when, when we visited Florida State to see if my son wanted to play for the team on our visit there, uh, the coaches told me about him. But he was just, I had heard about him. I'd seen him on highlights a couple of times. My son had told me how, what a good player he was, but it meant nothing to me until I saw him. Right. And then over the course of the season, it really, it, it just occurred to me that, you know, he's at 1% of what he's going to be one day and he's already a very good player. And so I just, as I, I didn't know where he should get drafted because I had not studied anybody else. But once I started studying everyone else, the only guy that I thought had his upside and as I said this to Chad on his show, his very high floor. I think yeah. people were, were saying he had a lower floor. I didn't agree with that at all. I've had an extremely high floor and a very high ceiling. And the only guy that I thought was also like that was Mobley, which is why I ranked him top two. Most definitely. Um, I totally agree with you, Scotty Barnes. Another guy I had was uh, really high was Bones Highland. I never understood why he was in the second round for a while. And now he's playing so great as a first round. But I wanted to shift to this. Bruce Brown... His type role, do you think that's going to become a trend in the NBA? Now we see Gary Payton, too, playing a similar type of role. Guys, how, would you could, de- how, would, how do you define that role? Well, I think they could guard guards on the defensive side, but take on some of the role of a big on the offensive side, like Bruce Brown could short roll. Uh, Gary Payton, too, could be a lob threat, a vertical lob threat. So I'd just like to hear your thoughts on that, and if yeah. you think that will become a trend. Yeah, I think, I think it's a very good point. I think that teams are slowly recognizing that non-shooters that are very athletic and you can, you can really feature them on defense can be used as screeners, rollers, cutters, slashers. Yeah. Uh, I, it's all, we've always known this. I think they found ways, uh, you know, we have, we, in the NBA now, they, they play what's called the get game. I, I okay. call it jazz. When I was coaching my son's AAU teams, going back to, well, he's 20 now, so going back when he was 12, I was running this, our team was running this kind of stuff where we threw a pass and followed it as opposed to screening away or cutting. We would follow the pass and sometimes then cut, sometimes set a screen, sometimes what we call a veer screen, which is jump away. Um, it, that makes, it's just a hard stuff to guard. They call it the get game. Is that because it's a new look? Hmm? Is that partly because it's a new look at the defense that they're not used to? I think, no, I, I yeah, I think it's just a, so for when I was playing in the seventies and eighties, early eighties, late seventies, it was always pass screen away, yeah. pass, make a basket cut. There was never follow the ball. Right. And now we've just doubled our options. Well, not really double, but close to it because now we can pass and screen away. We can pass and make a basket cut. We can pass and go towards the ball. It's a whole other dimension. And there's all sorts of options because teams are switching. So Hubie Brown teaches, we set, I'm sorry to get really grainy with this. No, no, go ahead. UB Brown teaches, taught anyway, you set a screen for only one reason, make defenders think. That's why you set a screen. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant jewel of wisdom. Well, when you know a screen is coming, now you're thinking. Used to be you thought the screen was only coming from someone that didn't just have the ball. So now you're factoring that in too. If you watch the game all the time, like Jokic the other day, Jokic threw a pass from what we call guard to wing, and it looked like he was running towards the ball which is a get game in reverse. Normally he's the feature of the get game. Throw it to Jokic and then go get it or back door. Uh, or he might even fake the dribble handoff and attack. Or he might not give you the dribble handoff and then hit you on a bounce pass or a lob near the rim. Well, this is Jokic throwing the pass. And as he's going to set a screen in the get game for the guy that caught the ball, he knows they're about to switch. 
And so the guy guarding him was stopped guarding him to get ready for the guy with the ball when the switch happened. And he just cut right to the basket and scored. Well, this happens all the time now. So it's an evolution of more team switching because now you're getting more screens so you can get more slip screens. And the slip happens when they're not really in position defensively to guard the basket part of the court because they're staying on their perimeter for the screens and the switch. So it's just another evolution for it. And so guys that can't shoot, which used to be big men back in the day, now it might be some athletic guards. This is what I think they should, Lakers should be doing with Westbrook. 100%. I've been saying Lakers this. Lakers should be using get game stuff with Russell 100%. Uh, as, a, as a screener, passer from 15 feet, roller, cutter. Uh, so, yeah, I think you're right. The Bruce Brown position, Gary Payton, who's very little, but very interesting. Uh, I think that's going to happen more and more. Yeah, so I don't know your prior opinions to the season on some of these teams, but how long does it take for you to move off priors when you see some of these surprising teams? Like, um, I don't know where you had the Wizards beforehand. I don't know where you had the Bulls, but do you believe these teams are for real, and did they surprise you? I had the Wizards, if I remember correctly, at 500, and I still think it's going to end up being around there. They, they played a relatively easy schedule. They are definitely guarding which they didn't before. Beal has not been great, which is a positive sign for them. Right. He's going to probably get better. And the same for Vucevic with uh, the Bulls. He could get better there, you know? For sure. I, the Bulls are the more of a surprise to me. And the mistake I made was I, I didn't necessarily count uh, on DeRozan doing what he's doing because of the way he played in San Antonio. And I should have recognized that that may just not have been a great fit for him. He's back to playing the way he played for Toronto better. He's shooting it better. Right now, 37% from three, 37.5% from three. And he seems inspired. Yeah. I, I, I've never met a player that didn't love DeMar DeRozan. Love okay. him. So I think Lonzo's a great passer. I mean, Zach Levine's an unbelievable scorer. I'm a huge fan of Zach, and I didn't used to be at all. And so He's playing more jazz now, though, right? What's that? Zach. Zach's playing more jazz now. I, you know, there's a few things. He's, he's not just playing more jazz, yes. Um, He's really grown just as a basketball player that, that is less focused on style than substance. And it used mm -hmm. to be the other way around, which is very similar to a lot of other young players. Zach just wants to win. I thought he was a, a very important performer for Team USA this summer. And, uh, and so that I, I'm still unhappy with his defense. But uh, the bottom line is with him on offense, with Lonzo as a brilliant – I love Lonzo and always have uh, – DeRozan has fit in so well, and he's playing the four basically. So his matchups are good. Like, who, where are you going to guard your defensive four against that group of Lonzo, Levine, and DeRozan with yeah. a shooter, Caruso? And I love Caruso. So, yeah, you can put your four on Caruso if you want to, but he's a great cutter too. So, I think DeRozan's taking advantage of the space that Billy Donovan's created. He's a good coach with what they're doing. So, with Lonzo, how much of do you feel their success has been just from him pushing pace? Because I feel it's contagious. Oh, I agree. Uh, I, I, you know, I was higher on him than I was LaMelo coming out. Uh, I still have my doubts on some things about LaMelo, but there's no question he's playing great right now. Uh, Lonzo, to me, is a steady, steady, steady guy. And uh, less pass first than he used to be. And, uh, and yeah, it, it just like playing with, uh, with Jokic and Ben Simmons, uh, if you race, he'll find you. They'll find you. And it's more fun to play with guys like that. So I think that's Bill, – Billy's a fun guy to play for. Billy – listen, Billy ran the best program in college basketball when he was at Florida, which is where I went to school. But I, don't, I didn't root for them necessarily. I, was, I went to school in the 80s. <laughs> right. 
Uh, there's no, I mean, ESPN did a ranking of the top franchise programs in America and Florida was number one under Billy Donovan. So, um, and then look what he did at OKC, like he, with, with Chris Paul there, like he knows what he's doing and players love him. They really love him. He's a, he's a very genuine in your face in a good way person that it's ended up playing really well for his NBA uh, career. And I think the Bulls love him. Yeah, they play that way. Full transparency. I didn't think the Warriors were legit title contenders before the season. They're Do not. you believe that no. they are now? No, no. I, I will say this. They're interesting, uh, Andrew, because of a couple of things. So Rui Hachimura, who should have been coming to his own this year, hasn't played a second yet. Thomas Bryant is, was their starting center. He's their best offensive center who can shoot threes. He's been a bad defensive player, but he's been out a year with an ACL tear. Coach Thorpe, and, I think I, I, th I said the Warriors, but this is interesting on what you're oh, saying about I'm the sorry, Wizards. I thought you said the Wizards. No, no, but go ahead with the My Wizards. Bad. This is all interesting. Go ahead. My bad. Um, no, it's all yeah, good. So, so they still can get Thomas and then add him to Daniel Gafford and Montrezl Harrell, which means you can trade one. And they can decide what they want to do with Beal. They can trade Atramur if they want to. They can trade Beal if they want to and, and get themselves deeper and younger. Or they can make some moves with one of those centers and potentially Hachimura and bring in more talent and then become a contender. With Golden State, I did think they were a contender. I had them at 48 wins, but only because I thought it would take some time. But Steph Curry is a force multiplier like the world's best players are. Yeah. He just changes everything. And if you saw the game last night, you saw him scrapping on defense, yeah. getting deflections everywhere. And then, of course, his offense is a joke. It's you have to laugh when you watch a player. I do. Yeah. I've been watching this game a long time. And I just, there's never been anything like this before that where the balls go in. It, it's a total show. Like, just everything he does. Like, he'll shoot a jump shot and run, to the, run back on defense before he the shot. He plays with such joy. He plays yeah. with such joy. I love. And, and the new basketballs aren't affecting him, you know? What? <laughs> they're not affecting him. Yeah. You know, do you want to talk about the basketballs? Yes. Yes. That was the segue, Coach Thorpe. <laughs> okay. So, I caught on it. So, um. So I have, I have a Wilson basketball here. I have a brand new one. Um, it feels different. My son okay. shot on it when he was here this summer. He, he always uses NBA balls when he's home and out from college. And, and these players love the NBA ball like, like nothing. Like it's amazing how much they love it. And I think there is a little bit of adjustment for some of them. But um, I don't think it's the big reason why, personally. I really don't. It doesn't mean it, there aren't exceptions, but generally speaking, it's, it plays like any other leather ball. And uh, yeah, we've seen plenty of guys having better. DeRozan certainly doesn't mind it at 37.5%. There's plenty of guys shooting fine with it. And, and I've heard no one say to me, it's the ball. It doesn't mean they haven't said it to some other people, but no player has said to me that I'm struggling with the ball. Well, you've actually felt the basketball. What's the differences? It, it does. I mean, you, I, if you threw me a brand new NBA ball, which I have the, the old NBA Spaldings are here in my office, which I have, a, I have another room next to this one, my two room office. Uh, and uh, they, I would know the difference right away. I think the newer NBA, the, the new Spalding, when I say new, meaning fresh out of the bag is a little bit slicker than the new Wilson, but a couple of days broken in the air gets on a little sweat gets on it. It's just a, it's a lovely ball to dribble and shoot. The Wilson ball I thought was fine too. My, my Wilson ball, I haven't used it as much. Um, and uh, so far it's aging really well. The, the, the old leather, the old Spaldings tended brown quicker. 
you don't guys, you guys don't see this because they use new ones all the time in games or maybe two day old balls, but they do like, I have some really dark Brown Spalding balls in my home. Yeah. They do turn Brown. I mean, they definitely slide off the backboard at a higher rate. Like they have less traction than most basketballs. Like you could put crazy spin on the NBA ball and it might just stay there. Like it won't really change direction as much. Yeah, the you remember when they changed NBA balls for a little bit of time and yeah, that and the, ball the, was sticky. Yeah, and well, the players so, got rid of that one quick. Right, but I would tell you that I had a player who was crushing it because he has small hands. He was a brilliant scorer, Kevin Martin, but his hands are little, and so he was shooting ninety-five percent from the line instead of eighty-seven, maybe eighty percent, and he was shooting forty-eight percent from three instead of forty-two, forty-three because it just stuck to his hand better. But he wasn't a guy that dribbled a ton. The guys like Steve Nash and Chris Paul didn't like it because it tore their skin off. I didn't notice the difference, but they did. Kevin Martin, Zanesville, Ohio. He was a good player, man. He was a good player. That's like my son. Yeah, I'm his Florida dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Okay, see, so, you know, I feel like, will this team ever have expectations? I mean, or they could just keep doing what they're doing forever. I'm trying to figure this out, Coach Thorpe. We don't know. Uh, I think it's a great point. They're doing. I had them only winning 16 games this year. I thought they'd be fucking terrible. SGA's. He's, he's. He's the. I love him. Yeah. Oh, yeah great this player. Has nothing to do with him. He's yeah. A yeah great player. Yeah. Just. But everyone else is not very good because they're young. Yeah. Um. You know. I don't know. I do think there's an argument that they they can get much much better immediately if they were willing to trade some of their draft prospects. But I just don't think – I think he has a vision. Sam Presti, my longtime friend, um, where he, when he finally does something, it's going to be – they're going to go from bad to very good. And that could mean massive trades, including SGA, or it could mean he's the guy who stays. Including SGA? Well, it's possible. Like, how long does SGA want to be on this team? This guy's an all-star that may never get to be an all-star playing there. He's allowed to voice an opinion about, I want out. It's like Ben Simmons is doing for different reasons. I think it's more likely, though, that they feel like, okay, we have one all-star. We want at least one, if not two more. So let's say Josh Giddy really looks like he's going to be a prospect in three years to be an all-star. And maybe uh, you know one of their other young players kind of kind of looks like that way. Well, now you trade those guys. You get in better players that are looking to get out. Like, I don't think they're going to trade for Bradley Beal. But if the Wizards wanted to trade Bradley Beal for a bunch of young talent, they, that's a team they could do it with. And now they got Beal with SGA. I, I think Ben Simmons, I think that there's, I think he's way, I think personally that that's what Sam's waiting for is when can I get uh, one more all-star and then two or three very good starters for these young players and picks that I have. And, and then we'll feel like, okay, we got a five-year window to win the whole thing with what we have. And until he gets that, I, I don't think he's going to budge. You mentioned Giddy. You must really like his game because he's definitely playing jazz. His feel for the game is elite. His, his, defense, his defensive game is bad. His yeah. offensive game is very special. Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a very talented player. I had, him, I had him in my top 12. He went number six. I think I had him in my top 10, and he went number six, I believe. Yeah, I think one thing on the offensive side he does have to improve on is his transition from his dribble to his shot. He just can't get his shot off yet where other NBA players can. Yeah, he, he's slow, and his release is slow, and yes. he can't shoot, 27% from three. So he's got work to do, but he's, what is he, 19 years old, 20 years old? Yeah, yeah. How he's would you get how, He's soft, you said? He's not soft. Oh, he's not soft at all. 
He's not soft at all. Um, I wanted to ask you about Chet and Paulo, and what are your thoughts on those two guys' game, and who would you draft with the number one pick? With the information you have now, it's still really early in the season. Yeah, I've never – I've not seen Pablo play. I will. In fact, I'm going to go see them when my son – when Florida State plays them in February, I'm going to the game at Duke. And then I might go see them when they play in January at Florida State. I haven't looked at my schedule in January yet. Um, Holmgren, I mean, he's got to be happy Mobley's look so good. Although Mobley's out now for a month. Because I think they're – from what I've seen of Chet when he was in high school in the international games – it looks like he's got some Mobley in his game, which mm-hmm. is good because Mobley is a transformational talent. Yes. Um, uh, but I will say this also, and this is good for Chet, because I didn't love him in high school. Uh, um, he was just so much taller than everybody. But um, <laughs> he, you know, he doesn't score yet. But neither did Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, look at – I mean, you know how many field goals Anthony Davis had when they won the championship? Well, he – that – that was him sacrificing. I mean, uh, maybe so, but he yeah. only had one. Yeah, yeah. He made, yeah, he made free throws. We had one basket in the championship game, and I loved him. Thought he was an amazing prospect, and still think he, a year ago, I predicted he'd win the MVP. I thought, no, two years ago, I thought he'd win the MVP in the bubble year uh, before the year started. So Chet, Chet doesn't have to score to make me happy, just like Scotty and Evan didn't really score great, just like AD didn't score great. So, but I've not evaluated him close enough to know as to whether or not I think he's worthy of a top top pick or not. That class is going to have a tough time meeting up with this class. 20, 21 and 20 class is pretty good. Yeah, most definitely. Really good. Uh, Coach Thorpe, always great talking basketball with you. What, what have you been working on, man? What's new? What's next? Uh, you, you know, you got some thoughts of a book, but what, 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 what else is going on? So I always use any kind of platform that I'm on to talk about uh, my wife and our marriage, married 31 plus years now. Our twins are 20 in two different colleges. And um, the one thing about this pandemic for those of us that have a partner is uh, if you have the right partner, it, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. It was terrible for the world and we our hearts broke. I have neighbors and friends who died from COVID I had a close college friend who almost died and is still on oxygen, uh, tragically, because he didn't get vaccinated because he's afraid of needles. And um, not anymore. He's, he's been stuck with needles for months. He was in a month, hospital for three months. And it's still, we don't know. He's going to survive, but we don't know how long-lasting it's going to affect. So terrible, terrible things everywhere. But she and I had a sanctuary every night. We were empty nests for the first time in a pandemic. So you want to talk about really going from one I mean, when, when we had our twins home, it was a mile a minute. Our kids were super active. Now, once they started driving, it was a little helpful. But we liked to go where they were to watch them dance and play basketball and whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden, it was just the two of us in a pandemic. And everything was closed for a little bit. Luckily, our beaches, you know, we live close to Clearwater Beach. and It's amazing. But um, I am the luckiest man in the world to have met the woman I met when I was only 22. She was 19 when we first dated we married when I was 25 and she wasn't yet 22 years old. And we're, yeah, we're still in our fifties and happily, happily married. And it makes everything easier. And, um, and so I, with basketball season in full swing now, I don't see as much of her as I used to, but um, we still share a house together and, uh, and I'm enjoying the games, the, the games, the, I think the NBA season because of the new rules. And I think importantly, not just the defensive rules, but the way the officials are calling the game now. I think we found a good balance of not too physical, 
but also not every foul is a free throw because that's not fun to watch for the average fan. And I, I want the average fan to like it more so that more people pay attention to our game and our players can make more money. Um, uh, I think the games have been really good. I've really, like last night, first half Warriors Nets was fantastic entertainment. Yep. Second half was bad unless you like Golden State. <laughs> right, the game, right. Wasn't, the game wasn't competitive, but first half was fantastic. Right. So I, I found to, that the games have been more enjoyable because of that balance. It's not like in Europe, it's football on the court, in my opinion. And in college, too, can be really physical. Uh, in the NBA, it was probably swung too far the other way. And now I think, I hope we keep this balance straight through. I really like it. Overseas, they'll go under you when you shoot a layup, like regularly. And, and everything's an illegal screen. I mean, we set illegal screens in the NBA, but Europe is, man, they're clipping everybody. <laughs> they're hitting Most. everyone all the time. And it's hard. Yeah. How's your son playing? How's his game developing? It's, I mean, it's tough. He's at one of the best schools in the country in terms of teams. Uh, um, they've coached him up great. He feels really good shooting the ball. His, his, he's a brilliant passer, great shooter, uh, but he's only 6'3", and he plays, they call themselves Big Guard University. So he's a little man. He's the second smallest guy on the team. They have four seven-footers on the team. Um, uh, and they had three guys drafted last year, including Scotty. So, yeah. and the, the three guys, there was 6'8", six, 6'8". Eight, six, eight. The one of the six eights was Raekwon Gray, is 260. And then Balsar Kapakova is playing in Europe now is, you know, seven feet tall, very, very well built. So he's learned how to be much more physical. He's not going to play a lot this year. He's played in the other two games of the, of the four games he's played with, with which is they've had two scrimmage, two exhibitions and then two real games. He appeared in three of them for a few minutes, but um, I don't think he'll play much this year. He doesn't care. He, he didn't go to, he could have gone. He had coaches telling him you'll play 32 minutes a game as a freshman. That is not what appealed to him. He wants to run an NBA team one day. He wants to live the life surrounded by incredibly motivated players with a big budget program so that he'll be more prepared to be in an NBA when he gets a chance. And he is the happiest kid in the world. My son is, he says it all the time. I could not be happier. So that's music to a dad's ear and a mom's ear too. Jazz to your ears. It is I don't really love jazz. I, I, like <laughs> I like classical better. I like opera. I like hip hop. I like everything but country. Uh, jazz, I mean, jazz is fine. But yeah, it's um, it's beautiful music. When your kids are happy, do you have kids? I have one son, yes. How old is he? We turned two in July. Oh, wow. So, you'll yeah, right now, everything's happy when they're that age. But I'm telling you, it's not so easy when they get older and life starts throwing curveballs at you. And so it's just like I was saying with my wife in the pandemic, when, when you've got your 90% of your world is happiness, the 10% of the curveballs and the bullshit you can deal with. Yeah, yeah, But when yeah. your life's in turmoil anyway, all the other curveballs just pile on and make life really miserable. So for a 20-year-old boy who is just a 20-year-old man, who is just the happiest kid in the world, the few curveballs he gets thrown are just whatever. Like he does, he's fine because he's so happy. That's what we want in life. That's what you want yes. in a partner. It's what you want in a career. Because life throws you lots of curveballs anyway. Most definitely. You know one key to having a good life, Coach Thorpe, I really believe that's exactly. underrated? Getting good sleep. I get about five hours a night most nights. I well, don't yeah, need yeah, you know, everybody's different, so. No, but you're right. <laughs> well, they, medically speaking, uh, one night a week I need to get seven hours. I typically do. Uh, and I take about eight-minute naps most days so I can stay up late to watch the late games. And that seems to – once I, I literally jump out of bed – after eight minutes feeling so refreshed 
And then I'm up till, you know, whatever to watch these West Coast games. Yeah. Um, yeah. Met, the, met, the science says you're exactly right. Yeah. Well, Coach Storr, good luck to you. Good luck to your son. Hope to have you back on the show soon. You're always welcome back. Thank you so much for taking the time and talk soon. Thanks, Andrew. Be safe. There it is. Another episode of Combos Court Podcast. Thank you to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. Thanks to David for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune in to Combos Court. And don't forget to share this episode. Share with a friend. Share it on Twitter, Facebook. Share it on your IG stories. And tag me on IG at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for episode 319. Combo out.